Well, good morning, everybody. Am I on? Can you hear me? Okay, good. I can hear myself. Uh, we are in week four of a series called Find Your Five. And if you're new here, we are talking about the five kinds of relationships that you need in order to be transformed into everything that God created you to be. And when I give a sermon, people say, well, you just please tell some more stories. So I'm going to tell you some stories. Back when I was in elementary school, I lived in a small town called Hamilton, Missouri. And I had a friend who lived down the gravel road from me. His name was Zach. And he lived on a farm that had cows, because that's what you have on a farm, crops, a bunch of combines. One was slipped on its side. He had some tractors. He had a row of about 25 basset hounds. I don't know if you know what kind of dog that is, but they're really long and low to the ground and got fat legs and stuff. But they also had some pigs. And something that my friend and I would always do when his dad was gone was take his BB gun and shoot those kids, not the kids, shoot the pigs, <laughs> we were kids, shoot the pigs with the BB gun right in the butt. I don't know if you can say that, but I just did. And when you shoot a pig in the butt with a BB gun, what noise does it make? Anybody? Well, it makes like a squeal noise. I won't do that for you today. But one day his dad came home a little bit early from uh, farming to catch my friend shooting the pigs. I wasn't doing it at that moment, thank the Lord. But he said, Zach, and he's got overalls on. He says, Zach, now I told you to stop this. And so my friend's dad picks up the BB gun, points over off in the distance, and tells my friend, run. And so my friend looked at his dad, tears off toward the barn, starts running, and my dad's friend just picks up the BB gun and just pops him right in the tail. And my friend falls to the ground, and guess what sound that he made once he got hit with that thing? <laughs> and so his dad looked at me straight in the eye, grabbed that BB gun from me, and then walked off. And I'm like, I learned that day that if I hang out with this friend, that I'm going to get shot by his dad. And so I stopped. <laughs> in middle school, I had another friend named Dusty. Dustin, Dusty, we called him Dusty. And not long after his brother got his driver's license, we went to Walmart, because where else do you go once you get your driver's license? You go to Walmart. And at Walmart, my friend had this great idea that we should maybe stage a kidnapping. And so we decided that he and his brother would be the kidnappers, and I would be the kidnappee. Well, we got into the parking lot, and they started pushing me around, carrying me, and I was kicking and screaming, and they threw me in the back of their red car and sped off. And we thought we were really cool for doing that. Well, about halfway home, we lived about 13 miles from Walmart, about halfway home, uh, we noticed a roadblock, which is kind of strange. And so they were pulling over all these different cars, and, well, their cars looked like our car. It was red. And once they pulled us over, they pulled my friends out of the front seat, threw my friend's brother on the hood, and at that point we realized faking a kidnapping is probably not that wise. And so they were mad. Our parents were mad. Walmart was mad. And I learned that day that hang around with this friend and probably go to jail. I got one more for you if you're okay. About 20 years ago, a couple years out of high school, I met a guy who had this 2004 Subaru Impreza WRX, and this thing had a cold air intake, a cat pack exhaust, and a factory turbo that had blow-off valves that would hiss when you shifted. Long story short, this car was super cool. Well, he and I hit it off pretty quick because I had a 98 Contour, Ford Contour SVT, and uh, had some similar cool stuff, tinted windows. Well, my friend and I... <laughs> My friend and I, well, actually, you know this friend. Uh, this is my friend Dave Martin. Uh, he plays guitar on here on Sunday mornings. There's Dave with his blue car. That car is pretty awesome. Don't, don't mind the white thing into his hand there. He's, he's actually done doing that these days. It's a cigarette if you can't see it. 
Uh, well, one day I had this great idea for Dave and I to drive back to my hometown uh, in Corning, Iowa, and cruise the streets on a Friday night because we had cool cars. And why did I want to do this? Well, because I knew that it would stir up trouble with the high school guys who had these really big trucks who liked to show off for their women. And so we did. We both drove our really cool cars there. And as I figured, the high school guys with their really big trucks and their women followed us around for a very long time. And at one point, my friend Dave called me on his cell phone. They had just come out at that time, I think. He says, dude, I think we are about ready to get the kicked out of us. But whatever happens, I got your back. And I said, yeah, we should probably stop and get this over with. And so we finally pulled over on this gravel road, and Dave has stopped behind me, and all 10 big trucks with the high school guys and their women are parked behind Dave. And after sitting there for a minute or two, I get out of my car, then Dave gets out of his car, and then the high school guys get out, and one guy had a bat, and Dave looked at me, and he goes, we got this. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and so Dave learned that day to hang around with Jimmy and end up in a brawl. But I think we'd all agree that those we hang around with will impact our lives, whether it be good or bad. And we don't really need a Bible verse to tell us this, because I think we can all learn from our own experiences. But since this is a church, here's one for you anyway. It says, walk with the wise, become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Another word for fool is a stupid person or a silly person. How many of you know a silly person? Don't point at me, please. Uh, here's another one. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, just like Dave and I. How many of you could maybe point back to a friendship that almost ruined your life? And my dad hammered this one into my head when I was young. He says, or my dad didn't say this, but the writer of Proverbs says, bad company corrupts good character. Or in a different version of this same passage, bad people can make those who want to live good become bad. How many bad people do we have in here? Nobody. That's pretty awesome. This is good. This is a good church. Well, how many of you want to know what happened to Dave and I at the end of that story? Yeah, you'll have to come back and maybe talk to me later about that. We don't have time today. I know, right? Sadness. The point is, those we hang around with will impact our lives, whether that be good or bad. Last weekend, I took my oldest son uh, to Minneapolis to talk about what it means to be an honorable man. He's 13 years old now, and I told both my kids, well, I have a daughter, she can go, she'll probably go with mom, but I told both of my boys, I said, you choose where you want to go, and I'll take you there. And my second son, Solomon's already planning his trip to Miami Beach. That's going to be fun. I don't know if I should do that with him or not. But I want to do this to be proactive at giving them an honorable vision for their life. I got this idea from Pastor Matt and Pastor Nick, who have done this with their oldest boys so far. Because parents, if we don't do this, the world will. And I don't know if you're noticing, but the world is not getting any better. It's getting worse. And Jimmy and I, we talked about a lot of things like integrity and humility and purity and perseverance. Not reacting to life, but actually living a life of action and purpose and honor. And ultimately, how to follow Jesus and glorify God with his life, really super easy things like that. But one of the passages that we talked about says this, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Basically, Jimmy, the friends you choose will either help lead you to that vision or away from it. 
They're either going to push you toward God or away from God. Your circle of friends will be the difference. And the overall theme of our trip was not what he would do or what he would be when he grows up, but who he would become. And this actually encompasses a question that we've been asking you, we've been asking ourselves over the last several weeks. Who do you want to become? You think about your future self. Who do you want to become? Men, women, hopeless person, angry person, drunk, addict, middle schoolers, high schoolers. What kind of person do you want to become? Well, again, throughout this series, we're talking about the five kinds of relationships that we all need in our lives to help us become everything God created us to be. In week one, we talked about something called the vision casters. Vision casters, these are the friends who give us vision for who we can be far beyond anything that we could ever imagine for ourselves. And we talked about in week two, models. You have to listen to the one about uh, that week. John talked about finding great-looking models in our church. But these are the friends we look up to and that we can model our own lives after. They're like a mentor to us. And third week, last week, we talked about tail kickers. And tail kickers are the kinds of friends who love on a completely different level because they confront us and challenge us even when it's uncomfortable. And our hope has been that everyone starts to identify and seeking out these kinds of relationships. Well, today we're talking about a fourth kind of relationship, and this might be actually my favorite relationship, really, because who besides our two bodybuilders, Pastor Ronnie and Matt, like tail kickers? I do not. Well, the fourth relationship we're talking about today is called the soul sharpener. And whether you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, God's purpose for you has been to make you like his son, Jesus. And God never hid this from anybody. In fact, he announced his purpose from the beginning when he created the entire world. In the very first book of the Bible called Genesis, which means beginning, God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness. Now, don't be confused. God is not saying that you will become a God, because you will not. There are philosophies and religions out there that teach that you'll become a God, but they are wrong. You will not become a God, because that is one of the oldest lies from Satan. But like God, you are a spiritual being. You have a soul that will outlast your physical bodies. You're intellectual. You can think. You can reason. You can solve problems. You have emotions. You can be mad. You can be sad, angry, happy. And like God, you have a moral compass. You can discern right from wrong. You can lead. You can create. And like God, you're relational. You can give love. And you can receive love. That's what it means to be made in the, uh, God's image and likeness. But this image has been distorted by something called sin. And we've all been affected by it. Every single one of us. All of you have been affected by it. You probably know what I'm talking about. But because of this, God sent his son Jesus into the world to restore all things and all of humanity back into the image that we have lost. And the greatest thing about Jesus is that he's the exact representation of the image of God. I used to wonder what God was like. Was he an angry person? Was he mad? Was he a scary being? Well, the writer of the book of Hebrews, found in the New Testament, tells us what God is like. 
He says, the sun reflects the glory of God and shows exactly what God is like. And so if you've ever wondered, what, does God, what is God like? What does he look like? What is, he, what is his being? Just look at Jesus. But God sending Jesus into the world presents a decision that we all have to make. To either follow him or not follow him. To either turn away from our old distorted and sinful way of life or torn, uh, turn to a new way of life. But a life in Jesus is more than just coming to church on Sunday and calling it good. When you make the decision to put your faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, you get to spend eternity with God in heaven after you die. That's the good thing. So happy about that. But there's more to it than that. Just like a child eventually grows into a mature adult, God desires that you grow into a mature follower of Jesus. And this is called spiritual maturity. That always leads to a question, well, what is spiritual maturity? Well, in one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Ephesians found in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says this, in everything, and I do mean everything, that's connected with that old way of life, it has to go. It's rotten. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life that's renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Spiritual maturity means walking away from your old childish ways and taking on his values and his attitudes and his character. It's like walking away from greed, selfishness, and pride and taking on generosity, selflessness, and humility. It's like walking away from hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness and taking on love and contentment and forgiveness. It's walking away from foolishness and simpleness and arrogance and taking on wisdom and discernment and modesty. It's walking away from fear and worry and uneasiness and taking on his security and his freedom and his peace. That's part of spiritual maturity. And all of this, while in your job, in your family, in your marriage, as a parent, as a single parent, as a young person, as an old person, right where you are. God wants to transform you from the inside out, but here's the thing. This is never comfortable. But his goal in life for you on this earth is not your comfort. It's your character development. His goal is to transform you and your character into his character, the character of Jesus. Now, I know this might freak somebody out. For those of you who can't see that kind of vision for your life, here's some good news. It doesn't happen overnight because it's an ongoing process and it's a lifelong process. And you can't do this simply by going to church once a week. And you cannot do this on your own. And although, let's be honest, I know that some of you try, you can't do this all by yourself. Because becoming more like Jesus takes other people. It takes a community. And it takes regularity, and it takes intentionality. And that brings us back to the sole purpose of today's message, and this whole series, actually. Soul sharpeners help you do that. Soul sharpeners help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. 
But not only do they help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, they continually push you toward him and continually to push you to become more like him. Just like Bailey said in her story, justice pushes her toward Jesus. But here's the thing. They have to be invited into your life with the purpose of helping you grow spiritually. They have to be invited into your history and your wins and your losses. They have to be invited into your fears and your insecurities, your future hopes and dreams. And they have to be invited into all areas of your life. You have to choose to surround yourself with these people. Back in 2007, I worked for a company called Woodhouse Auto Family. It's a big auto dealership here in town. I uh, loved working there. But during that time, I randomly decided to go to Bible college here in Omaha for the sole purpose of really understanding God. Because I grew up in a church, but I wanted to know why I believed what I believed so that I could believe it for myself. And so my wife agreed, you should probably go to Bible college, and so I did. Well, my class had about 30 people in it from all walks of life. And out of those 30 people, there were about, there weren't about, there were three uh, who would later become a big part of my life, named Stephen, David, and Joel. And I won't share a picture of them because they're goofy looking. But at that time, we didn't really know each other that well, but we all kind of just clicked one day. And a couple of months into our uh, classes, we decided to start meeting every single Saturday at 5 a.m. at the IHOP on 125th and Center. I don't know if you've been there or not. They get great pancakes. Uh, but we'd be there for like three, four hours. It was a long time. And when we were together, we'd study. We'd read different books of the Bible together. We'd talk about them and try to figure out what the heck it meant. And over the coming months, that turned into talking about our every single day lives and then our roles as husbands and fathers and ultimately how to follow Jesus better. But when we graduated, we could have stopped meeting, but we made the decision to keep meeting together because we liked how we were becoming. We kept reading the Bible together. We kept praying for one another. We kept talking about all aspects of our lives. We eventually knew everything there was to know about each other. We helped each other heal from past wounds, deal with forgiveness issues, get out of addictions. There's a passage found in the book of James, verse 516, that says, confess your sins to each other. And we'd literally confess our sins to each other. There'd be times when it's not out of the ordinary to, for us to have gotten a text that says, I can't stop looking at porn. Phone calls. Hey, let's talk. But we'd encourage each other, kicked each other's tails, and we still do. And without these guys, my life would not be the same. Being around them made my life better and more like Jesus. And I need them. I think about them every day, and they need me. Now, we all live in different states now, but we still stay connected because there's phone, there's Zoom, there's calling. Every week we talk about something. But Stephen and David and Joel are soul sharpeners. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm not like any of those guys. I'm not like you. I could never be a friend like that. I don't measure up. I've got a past. And I've got a lot of dirt going on in my life right now. I barely know anything there is to know. I can't do that. That's the point of this message. Because you can. My friends aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. And we didn't know anything until we did. You just have to be willing and you just have to be intentional because that's where it starts. 
Earlier in this message, I used a lot of different passages from the book of Proverbs. If you've never read it, it's 31 chapters. If you read one chapter a day, you'll read the whole thing and you become a lot more smart. I encourage you to do that someday. Uh, but there's a passage that really drives this whole point home. And I believe that it lines up perfectly with the role of a soul sharpener. And it says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's easy to memorize. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And just for fun, let's all read this together. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. That was fun, right? The greatest thing about a soul sharpener is that there's not a certain education. There's not a certain level of knowledge that you have to obtain. There's not even a certain amount of life experience that you must have. And there's not even an age that you must be in order to be a soul sharpener. You just have to be willing to both sharpen and be sharpened. You see, sharpening is a mutual thing. It's not like the mentor-type relationship or I'm going to go sit in front of a vision caster to help me see better things for my life. It might include that. But sharpening is a mutual thing. Up here on the screen, I got pictures of some of my friends that I know here at Relevant. You probably know some of them. Um, this first one here is, uh, what are their names? Daniel and Joe. Uh, Daniel and Joe, uh, part of Relevant, they've been here for a very long time, and they've been meeting weekly for about 12 years. They get together every Friday, and they just go through books of the Bible together. They might pray for each other. They might talk about each other's lives. Um, I know one of the books that they had just finished reading was called God's at War, and it just talks about removing the idols that you have in your life. It's a pretty fantastic book. But they've been meeting together for about 12 years every single week. And their lives have become better and more like Jesus, and they've become better men uh, because of the time that they've had together. This next picture here is Caitlin and Megan. Uh, Caitlin and Megan have been friends for a very long time. Well, back in uh, 2020, I think it is, um, Megan decided to become a stay-at-home mom. And if you're a stay-at-home mom, you know what that means for your life. Like, you're going to be drained completely. And so you need somebody else. And they decided to become intentional at that time to really start sharpening one another and, and having each other's backs. Again, because kids, you know, you're raising them, and that just takes a lot of energy. But it also affects other areas of your life. And so they've been meeting for a very long time now as well. Um, and then here on the third picture here, we have uh, Jen Marion and Beth Teat. Um, great gals. Beth uh, leads uh, our women's network of T-Life groups, and Jen is on our ma leads our marriage support, and, he and her, uh, she and her husband are also elders here at the church. But every time I call Beth or Jen, they're always with each other. I'm like, sorry I interrupted. Hang up. Call me when you get a free moment. But they talk about everything. They talk about their life, their kids, their grandkids, uh, the things that just kind of hurt their hearts, and they're able to point each other toward Jesus all week long. Again, every time I call them, they're with each other. And then Jason Thompson's a part of Relevant, um, and that's his friend David. Uh, David led Jason to Jesus, and they've been meeting about every six weeks um, for several, year, several years. And they've gotten such a great relationship with each other that sometimes their wives will say, you know what, don't talk to me about this. You probably should go see your brother and let him correct you. And so sometimes they get to do that. So that's a great tool to have in your life as one of those friends. But these guys aren't perfect. Joe might be. 
But they've committed to be intentional with one another and sharpen each other and make each other better followers of Jesus. Here's a question, though, I have for you. Do you have these relationships in your life? I loved writing this message because I got to reflect on all of these uh, friendships that I have had in my life who have helped sharpen me. Actually, I was kind of listen, what, you know, writing this thing, kind of a little bit of in tears because of my friends. Um, but you'll see behind me on the screen, I got my friend Dave Martin. He's the one playing the guitar here. He's the one that had that really cool WRX. Um, we've known each other for about 20, 22 years. Been a fantastic friend of mine, sharpened me. We have Matt Anderson. You, if you don't know Matt, uh, you'll see him around here sometimes. He's wearing uh, his favorite football uh, team jersey there, the Iowa, whatever the rest of that is. What is it, Hawkeyes? I don't even really know. I'm not a sports guy. We have Abe Schlott here. Abe and I have known each other for, gosh, I don't know, 10, 12 years now. We spent a lot of Friday mornings at Hy-Vee having breakfast together and just talking about God and things. And then Pastor John over here looking kind of creepy. I didn't get his permission to say this, but, um, but there he is at Starbucks. We usually do that around 9, 9.30 on Mondays, uh, at least we used to. Um, but I love these guys. And we've shared so much about our lives together. Um, I have so many other friends that I could list up here. Some of them have to do vision casters. Some are the mentors in my life. Some of them are the butt kickers. But the one thing I know for sure, that being around them has pushed me to become more like Jesus. Do you have anyone in your life like this that's pushing you to become more like Jesus? And do you have a soul sharpener in your life? And if you don't, why not? Maybe you didn't know you are supposed to have one. Maybe, maybe you're close to having one of these. Maybe you got some really close friends, but you just haven't made it official. Or maybe you've kind of made it official, but you haven't been, been intentional with this whole thing. Now, I know this. sometimes people don't know how to find one of these people. For those who don't know how to find a soul sharpener or a friend or a relationship like this, it's really not that hard. My friend Matt with the Iowa jersey. Um, I've known him for about 22 years, but years ago, uh, my boys started playing basketball at the YMCA in Valley, because it's cheap, and uh, he was their coach, and we were friends, and so I thought, this is probably a great connection. And at that age, those kids don't really have any idea what they're doing when it comes to basketball. And so the best way to coach them is to just yell loudly at them the whole time. And something that Matt would continually say throughout the whole basketball game was, find a guy. I don't know if you guys have heard people say that at basketball games, but find a guy. Find your guy. And then sometimes if they didn't hear him or they didn't, like, go match up with somebody else, he'd start stomping his leg and he'd start slamming his fist on the ground. Like, find a guy. And the funniest thing would happen. All these kids would go match up. They'd find a guy that looked about the same as them, the same size, the same height, and they'd start playing ball. And it's the same thing for finding a soul sharpener in your life. You just got to go find a guy. That's all you got to do now. Let me clarify. Women, do not find a guy. (laughs) Because if you do, you're probably going to need a tail kicker in your life immediately. And it's the same for men. Don't go find a gal. Men find a guy. Gals find a gal. But you know what I mean. But find someone and be intentional and just do something. Talk about your families. Talk about your relationships. Took a book of the Bible and just start reading it together and trying to figure out what this means. That's what I did. Confess your sin to them. You'll find freedom when you do. Do some butt kicking. Call each other out. Give each other vision and encouragement. 
Pray for one another. Don't ever leave a conversation without praying for them. Do something, because doing something is better than doing nothing. And my encouragement to you is to not let another week go by without having or starting this kind of relationship. Because they will change your life. Because you need them, and they need you. And he needs him, and she needs her. We need each other. Do you have a soul sharpener in your life? I need more than one. But as we close today, um, I'd like to ask everyone in here to do me a favor. Would you just bow your head for just a moment? You don't have to close your eyes, but just kind of look at the ground. I want to talk to those who have not yet put your faith in Jesus. And you would say that you've never turned your life over to him. You've been trying to do this life all by yourself. And maybe you're here today because you know that something is missing in your life. Maybe you need to make a change. Your first and your one friend to begin a relationship with is Jesus. And when you do this, just like I said earlier, you'll get to spend eternity with him, but he's going to put his Holy Spirit within you and start changing you from the inside out. He's the very first friend that I'd recommend that you seek out. And if you've never done that today, today can be your day. I remember the day that I put my faith in Jesus, and I hope that today is the day that you put your faith in Jesus. And if you'd like to do that today, you can right now, right where you are, you can pray something that sounds like this. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I cannot do this on my own. I know my need for a savior. Would you be my savior? Will you be the forgiver of my sins and will you be the leader of my life from this day forward? If you prayed that, Misty will come out and give you some next steps here in a moment. But I'd like to just close us all in a prayer. God, I just pray for our church, Relevant Community Church, and the people that are here, that you help us take our life and you seriously that we would go find a guy or find a gal and be intentional with them to becoming more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.